0: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. This episode contains graphic descriptions of medical afflictions that some people may find disturbing. We advise caution for listeners under 13.
1: Sun-soaked pine and cedar trees hug the shoulders of Half Dome, a famed rock formation in the Sierra Nevada mountains of Yosemite National Park. Hot dogs and hamburgers sizzled on the grill at the snack bar. Kids rode their bikes over hiking paths as climbers bouldered from rock to rock. It was a typical day in the summer of 2012.
0: An anonymous 49-year-old woman, whom we'll call Jane, took in the sights and smells. She was vacationing at Yosemite Valley's largest lodging facility, Curry Village, for four glorious June days.
1: It was a glamping experience. Jane stayed in one of the 91 signature tent cabins that offered double-wall plywood construction and propane heaters. It was a way to experience all the majesty of the great outdoors without giving up the comforts of a traditional bedroom.
0: Jane probably believed this vacation was a chance to relax and bask in the natural beauty of her surroundings. Instead, her trip turned deadly.
1: Weeks after she returned home, she fell ill. Her temperature spiked. Her head spun. Then came the chills, muscle aches, and utter exhaustion. But it only got worse. Suddenly, she couldn't breathe. And she didn't know why.
0: Though many medical professionals might have assumed she had influenza or pneumonia, her doctor wasn't so sure. And when he discovered she'd spent time in Yosemite National Park, he began to worry. It all felt very familiar.
1: All signs pointed to the dreaded and deadly Hantavirus.
0: When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game with life-or-death
1: stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm Molly.
0: And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them. You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar.
1: At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network.
0: And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help.
1: This is our second episode on the Hantavirus, a life-threatening infection, first identified in May 1993. Hantavirus seems like the flu in its early stages, but can quickly turn fatal as the patient's lungs fill with fluid.
0: Last week, we discussed the origin of this puzzling epidemic and how it kills its otherwise healthy victims at an alarmingly swift rate. After several inexplicable deaths in the Four Corners region of the southwestern United States, medical professionals found that Hantavirus had spread from rodents to
1: humans. This week, we'll trace the spread of Hantavirus after its 1993 discovery. Although this condition is considered rare, breakouts have become alarmingly frequent in the past three decades. ¶¶
0: In early June 2012, a 49-year-old woman vacationed in Yosemite National Park. Her identity has never been publicly released, but for the purposes of this episode, we'll refer to her as Jane.
1: Before 2012, she'd always had good health. But that summer, her flu-like symptoms progressed until excess fluid began to build up in her lungs. Every symptom suggested Hantavirus.
0: As we discussed last week, fever, high white blood cell counts, and an abnormal chest X-ray can all indicate a hantavirus infection, which has been classified as a zoonotic disease.
1: Zoonosis refers to infectious diseases that are transmitted from animals to humans. Examples include Ebola, rabies, and West Nile. While any serious disease is cause for concern, Doctors and researchers consider zoonosis particularly concerning because the movement of animals can't be regulated like peoples can.
0: Human travel can be tracked or managed through passports or visas. International bodies can release travel warnings if they fear an epidemic is brewing or quarantine a city altogether, just like the Chinese government did when the coronavirus broke out in early 2020.
1: But invasive species can stow away in shipping crates or suitcases. Mice can easily slip into an airplane's cargo hold or a ship's lower decks. And if those rodents carry an infectious disease, new outbreaks can show up in unexpected regions.
0: In the case of Hantavirus, humans can be exposed to the virus by accidentally inhaling air infected by rodent saliva urine, or droppings, usually while living in an infested home, camping, or spending time in rural areas. Oftentimes, hantavirus can be fatal.
1: Luckily for Jane, she recovered from her illness. Soon after, she underwent tests that confirmed she had contracted hantavirus. Hers was the first official case of the 2012 outbreak.
0: Danielle Buttke, a veterinary epidemiologist who works for the National Park Service and specializes in wildlife diseases, was notified of Jane's infection, but initially she wasn't concerned. She explained, when we saw that first case, we assumed it was isolated, like all were to that point.
1: But then she received a phone call from a California Department of Public Health official. There was a second case.
0: Now was the time to worry. Since Hantavirus was first identified in 1993, it had infected a very small number of patients each year. And outside of the 1993 outbreak in the southwestern U.S., those patients had been scattered across the United States. A man here, a woman there. But two infections in the same region at the same time suggested that Bucky might be dealing with a Hantavirus cluster.
1: According to the CDC, if more than the average number of people are diagnosed with a particular illness in the same time span and area, it's called a cluster. Clusters are common with communicable diseases like colds and flus. When one infected person passes the disease along to their friends and family, medical professionals can soon face an entire community with the same condition.
0: But clusters are far more concerning for non-communicable diseases or conditions that cannot be passed from person to person, like Hantavirus. If several new and unexpected cases present together, that suggests all patients were exposed to the same infectious agent. And until it's identified and neutralized, everyone else in the region is at risk of exposure. And in a tourist region like Yosemite National Park, That's a massive number of people at risk.
1: In light of this frightening possibility, Danielle Butke learned everything she could about Jane and the other patient, hoping to find what they had in common.
0: The second case had been a 36-year-old man from Alameda County, California. Again, laws prohibit public health officials from releasing his name, but in this episode, we'll refer to him as John.
1: Both John and Jane had visited the park prior to June 13, 2012. They'd both stayed in Curry Village's signature tent cabins called the New 900s. These were fancy models with double-wall plywood construction and propane heaters, which made them warmer and quieter than the older rooms. The original cabins were sided with a single-ply vinyl-coated canvas.
0: Jane survived her illness, but John died in late July 2012, shortly after he checked himself into a hospital.
1: This was upsetting news, but Butkey knew the case was about more than one man's tragic death. A pair of hantavirus infections were virtually unheard of, and a concerning sign that an even bigger outbreak could be on the horizon. She had to get to the bottom of this infection, and fast.
0: She knew that hantavirus was spread through rodent droppings, so the first step was to figure out where and how in Curry Village Jane and John had been exposed to infected mice.
1: Joined by a state public health team, Butke made her way to Curry Village to investigate.
0: The search was fairly simple. All they needed was a couple of pencils, and it wasn't to write anything down.
1: Butke explained... As we go through those dwellings, we're trying to identify any gaps a quarter inch or larger. If you can stick a pencil through a gap, it needs to be addressed.
0: In layman's terms, the width of a pencil is enough space for a mouse to get inside a cabin.
1: Mice are burrowing animals, so they evolve to be able to squeeze into small spaces. Their appearance is deceptive, although a mouse might look plump and fluffy that's mostly fur. Their skeletons and bodies are actually quite narrow, and they have no collarbones, meaning they can easily wriggle their way through minuscule gaps.
0: When Bucky and her team searched each Curry Village cabin, they jammed pencils between each and every floorboard. If they identified any gaps that were big enough for a mouse, they ordered them resealed.
1: The team rigorously examined each and every cabin. They listed every hole. They carefully documented everywhere they'd seen droppings. Unfortunately, there were signs of mice in many of the cabins, including several that hadn't been linked to any reported infections.
0: However, soon after they began searching the new 900s, they stumbled upon a pretty disturbing sight. Pulling back the canvas in the walls, lo and behold, they found mice nesting in the insulation
1: not exactly sanitary. But investigators were still baffled. If their investigation had demonstrated anything, it was that none of their cabins were safe from unwanted rodent guests. But only two visitors to Yosemite had contracted the Hantavirus.
0: Simply proving that John and Jane had been near mice wasn't enough. Butkin needed to know why these mice in the new 900s were different from those in the older cabins.
1: And she needed to figure it out fast. Summer was a busy season at Yosemite, and until Butkey solved the mystery, she had no way of knowing how many people had already been exposed or when the next infection would appear.
0: Coming up, we'll find out why the virus infected rodents were attracted to glamping. Now back to the story.
1: In June 2012, veterinary epidemiologist Danielle Butke and a state public health team investigated Yosemite National Park's cabins. They were trying to determine how two Hantavirus patients had been exposed and prevent a deadly outbreak. They found that mice had been nesting in the insulation of the so-called 900s tent cabins.
0: The infestation was an important clue, but it still didn't explain how two people had been infected with Hantavirus, especially given how rare the condition is. In fact, even in houses with mice, exposure can only occur in specific circumstances.
1: Unlike anthrax spores, which have been known to live for as long as 48 years in soil, hantavirus does not have a long lifespan. It only survives a few days within rodent droppings.
0: According to UC San Francisco infectious diseases expert Charles Chu, if mice are killed or removed from an environment, the virus can't last very long without them.
1: This means a person needs to get fairly up close and personal to a mouse or their droppings in order to be contaminated. Chu explained, the mice most likely must have been around within hours or days of infection.
0: But Yosemite's 900s offered a localized hotspot for mice to populate. And as researchers like Danielle Buttke began comparing the new 900s to the older cabins, she also began to piece together how the housing had proved a breeding ground for infection.
1: First, hantavirus doesn't thrive in sunlight, but rather in darker, stuffy spaces like these insulated cabins.
0: Another factor was the density of mice in the 900s. While the older cabins showed signs that rodents had passed through, there was no evidence that they'd lived there. It would be tricky for a person to get infected from a mouse that occasionally pops in and out of their room searching for food. But if rodents actually nest in the insulation like those in the 900s had, the risk of contamination goes way up.
1: One factor that contributed to the infestation was the strict park rules. Food was banned inside the canvas cabins so bears wouldn't tear through the walls in pursuit of sustenance. Instead, guests stored their edible items in outdoor bear-proof boxes.
0: The one exception? Guests at the new hard-sided 900s cabins were allowed to keep their food inside as long as it was out of sight and the doors and windows were
1: locked. The problem was that a warm dwelling with tasty treats was essentially an open invitation for mice to overpopulate, especially a vacation getaway where the residents weren't exactly worried about cleaning up. According to Butkey, there was evidence that mice were feasting on the same snacks that people kept in the cabins. In nature,
0: predators such as foxes, coyotes, and owls keep the mouse population in check. In the Curry Village 900's cabins, where mice were free of predators, their numbers expanded tenfold.
1: And with so many mice living in such close proximity, the spread of disease was nearly inevitable. Though only 14% of California's mice were hantavirus carriers, the infection rate within one of these hard-sided insulated cabins could be far higher.
0: In an effort to get the Hantavirus cluster under control in early August 2012, Yosemite National Park closed all 91 of their tent cabins.
1: Each and every room got a sanitizing deep clean. Gaps were sealed, and the vinyl-coated canvas that covered the double-plywood walls was tightened. They hammered new 1x4s around the base of each of the new 900s.
0: These renovations were consistent with those that experts recommend to minimize the risks of hantavirus exposure after an infestation. As Bertha Yazzi, a community health worker in Coal Mine Canyon, Arizona, advised, if you have any holes in your house, including cracks, big openings, you need to seal it up or use weather strips. Mice can come in anywhere, the very smallest holes. Have traps set up around your home, and keep your home clean.
1: Yazi also suggested removing all indoor and outdoor junk from the home, keeping hay and wood piles far away from your living space, and confirming that garbage lids are shut tightly.
0: Before cleanup of a potentially infested environment, it's advisable to ventilate the space for at least 30 minutes to allow fresh air into the room. This helps reduce the concentration of airborne viruses. Vacuuming and sweeping are discouraged as they simply spread the pathogens up into the air again.
1: The CDC also advises that you wear rubber, latex, or vinyl gloves when cleaning droppings, urine, and nesting materials.
0: It's likely the workers at Yosemite followed all these procedures. And after the renovations were complete, California Department of Public Health officials inspected and cleared the cabins for reentry. After several weeks of hard work, Yosemite National Park reopened the 900 series cabins to the public again in August 2012.
1: But all their efforts were in vain. On August 12th, park officials learned of a third Hantavirus case, this time a 45-year-old man from Pennsylvania.
0: This man had been infected prior to the renovations, probably around the same time that Jane and John had visited the park. But it raised a frightening possibility. More people might have been exposed without realizing it.
1: Hantavirus has no cure, but a patient's chances of survival are much better if the condition is caught early. However, Doctors don't necessarily look for it when fit and otherwise healthy patients have flu-like symptoms. This means that every guest at Curry Village could have been unknowingly carrying the Hantavirus pathogen. They were all ticking time bombs.
0: On August 16, 2012, the Hantavirus cases were publicly acknowledged. Park officials notified the 1,700 guests who'd spent the night in the 900 signature cabins in the summer of 2012. Anyone who is experiencing flu-like symptoms was encouraged to get tested for a hantavirus.
1: As it turned out, a few more of the early summer guests were positive. Luckily, they were able to get early treatment thanks to the warning.
0: But the public announcement had its downside as well. It was a PR disaster for the National Parks Department.
1: Much like the 1993 outbreak, fear spread throughout the country. Vacations to Yosemite were canceled left and right. Park officials tried to assure their guests that the problem had been solved. They'd renovated the cabins. The infected mice were gone.
0: And so far as they knew, that was all true. Until late August, when a follow-up inspection revealed that the new 900s were infested again. Even worse, more new Hantavirus cases were being reported all across the country.
1: Of the 10 Hantavirus-infected guests, nine had stayed in those cabins. They came from California, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and were between 12 and 56 years old. Nine of the 10 people also experienced typical symptoms of Hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, such as fever, chills, and aches.
0: In light of the cluster that was quickly becoming an outbreak, Yosemite officials decided to permanently shut down all 91 signature tent cabins on August 28th. By December 10th, maintenance crews started to take down the walls only to replace them with tent cabins built in the traditional canvas style.
1: Even after the conversions, however, many people canceled their trips to Yosemite. Although Hantavirus is very rare, with only about 20 to 40 cases a year, the cluster got a big reaction. It was a clear reminder of the stigma associated with infectious disease.
0: Mark Schaller, a professor of psychology at the University of British Columbia explained, the emotions aroused by the perception of threat don't always correlate with a rational assessment of the risk. We're often responding to the more ancient part of our brain, and historically, infectious diseases have been a huge threat.
1: Schaller went on to explain that the psychological power behind a disease is partially its invisibility and mystery. He explained, these viruses could be lurking anywhere. Our usual sensory apparatuses, eyes, ears, nose, can't detect them. I can't punch that germ in the nose and make it run away. Because of that, diseases are especially freakish.
0: People feared a virus they couldn't visualize. Hantavirus felt like the boogeyman. It might pop up anytime, anywhere, even in your own bedroom.
1: And it did continue to pop up. Even after the Yosemite Cluster was contained, 2012 was far from the last outbreak in the United States.
0: In fact, the spread of Hantavirus only got worse.
1: From February to June 2017, Hantavirus killed three people in Washington state. This marked the deadliest year for Hantavirus pulmonary syndrome in Washington since it was first identified in 1993.
0: But it didn't end there. In 2017, Hantavirus-induced deaths were reported in Torrance County, New Mexico, Santa Cruz County, California, and Maricopa County, Arizona.
1: In August 2019, two residents of Washoe County, Nevada contracted Hantavirus. One died making it the second fatal case since 2017. There are
0: also reports of hantavirus outside the United States. One report from the World Health Organization surveyed four months' worth of cases in southern Argentina. It found a total of 29 confirmed cases of hantavirus pulmonary syndrome in Epuchen Chibut province of Patagonia. 11 ended in death. This outbreak prompted a travel alert from the CDC that lasted well into 2019.
1: In spite of these cases, Hantavirus Pulmonary Syndrome is still considered a rare disease. The chance of being infected is one in 13 million, making it less likely than being struck by lightning. In California, there were only 54 total known cases from 1980 to 2014.
0: But infections are becoming more common. As the threat of Hantavirus grows, scientists are scrambling to find a cure. Meanwhile, all we can do is be on the lookout for the first signs of infection and seek treatment immediately in suspected cases.
1: In its early stages, it's difficult to diagnose Hantavirus pulmonary syndrome. Fever, muscle aches, and fatigue can be easily misidentified as influenza.
0: There's no way to test for Hantavirus pulmonary syndrome at this phase. Instead, doctors assess the symptoms and risk factors. If the patient experiences shortness of breath and has potentially been exposed to rodents, they're a likely candidate for the disease.
1: At this stage, the infected person may be treated with intubation to help them breathe. In intubation, a tube is placed into the mouth or nose and then guided down into the windpipe. This allows oxygen to enter the respiratory system freely and clears carbon dioxide from the lungs.
0: Additionally, the patient may be administered IV fluids with vitamins and minerals to help them stay hydrated and boost their immune system. Blood pressure medications can also be used to increase the circulation of oxygen to vital organs.
1: If the disease progresses, patients need to be admitted to a hospital for mechanical ventilation and kidney dialysis.
0: Mechanical ventilation is a life support treatment that is used in conjunction with intubation. The ventilator can increase air pressure inside the lungs to keep them open so that the air sacs don't collapse. A more familiar example of this treatment is the iron lung.
1: The other needed treatment, kidney dialysis, uses machines to remove waste from the patient's blood. Typically, kidneys are the filters for the body, but certain medical conditions, including hantavirus, can inhibit their function. There are two widely used kinds of kidney dialysis, but hemodialysis is typically used to treat hantavirus.
0: Hemodialysis uses a machine that's sometimes referred to as an artificial kidney. Patients undergoing hemodialysis will have their blood drawn through a needle. The blood will then pass through a filter which removes potassium, urea, and other waste products while leaving red blood cells and proteins intact. This clean blood is then returned to the patient's body.
1: Some hemodialysis patients require lifelong treatment, but the kidney failure associated with hantavirus can be temporary. In fact, With proper and prompt treatment, hantavirus pulmonary syndrome can resolve completely.
0: When a person is lucky enough to recover, there are no reports of later chronic infection or long-term effects from the illness. But unfortunately, 36% of patients don't recover at all. Hantavirus can kill even young and otherwise healthy victims.
1: It's a sobering statistic especially in light of hantavirus' spread. With no guaranteed cure and misleading symptoms, a hantavirus epidemic could be devastating, which was why it was so crucial that researchers figure out why these outbreaks were happening.
0: Coming up, we'll learn what's to blame for the uptick in hantavirus outbreaks.
1: Now back to the story.
0: Since hantavirus was first identified in 1993, outbreaks have become more frequent and more deadly. And after one of the earliest reported clusters at Yosemite National Park in 2012, researchers were scrambling to determine why infections were becoming more
1: common. To understand hantavirus's spread, researchers had to go back to its beginning— A key clue lay in the first documented outbreak in 1993. As we discussed last week, Ben Munetta of the CDC's Epidemiology Intelligence Service helped solve the mystery of how Hantavirus was spread during a meeting with Navajo medicine men.
0: At that forum, the medicine men explained the connection between weather patterns and illness. After unusually rainy springs, Plant life would flourish, providing better food and habitats for rodents. Mouse populations would explode, and they would then transmit Hantavirus to
1: humans. Researchers had long accepted the connection between precipitation and Hantavirus outbreaks. And it stood to reason that the spread of the disease would become erratic, just as climate patterns also shifted dramatically due to global warming.
0: Since the late 19th century, the Earth's average surface temperature has increased approximately 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, largely due to the influx of greenhouse gases in our atmosphere.
1: While some spikes and dips in worldwide temperatures are normal, since the Industrial Revolution, global warming increased approximately 10 times faster than the previous average.
0: In an annual climate report, scientists at NASA and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration ranked 2019 as the second warmest year of their 140-year record, and the past 10 years mark our hottest decade yet.
1: While climatologists don't all agree on exactly how climate change will play out, the consensus is that the Earth is entering an unusually hot period. In the coming years, storms are expected to be more intense than ever before, with record-breaking periods of rain and snowfall.
0: And as we've previously established, the theory is that more rain means more mice, which means more hantavirus.
1: In addition to increased rainfall, we'll likely see more floods, droughts, hurricanes, and heat waves than ever before. These natural disasters could drive rodents from their homes and into new areas where they can spread the disease to previously unexposed mice and rats.
0: But researchers aren't convinced the climate model is that simple. In some cases, rainfall actually stops the spread of the Hantavirus. In regions of China, heavy precipitation has been proven to kill rodents by flooding their burrows and nests, reducing the risk of human exposure to pathogens.
1: So there's still no consensus on exactly how weather patterns impact hantavirus outbreaks. But Gregory Glass, professor at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, hopes to solve the mystery. He's used satellite data to follow animal populations since the 1970s. He also tracks the diseases they bring along with them. He studied
0: rainfall and precipitation rates and compared them to satellite imagery that shows vegetation growth, soil moisture, and other ecological conditions. He used that data to determine if there really was a correlation between rainfall and hantavirus outbreaks.
1: Unfortunately he found that there are just too many variables at play, from the fact that New Mexico is more affected by El Nino than California, to mice only burrowing in certain types of soil, to even the vegetation that would grow more with increased rainfall.
0: Glass said, you could, for example, conclude that the area where people got sick has lots of trees. Does that mean being around trees helps the disease spread? Or does it just mean that people like to have trees around their
1: homes? It boils down to a chicken-or-the-egg situation, a nearly impossible causal investigation.
0: All in all, the findings have been disappointing. But Glass continues to gather data and refine his predictions. His goal is to have a plan for the next hantavirus cluster.
1: He explained, Being prepared for an outbreak helps mitigate the huge economic and emotional losses. Epidemiology has been a good detective tool, but it hasn't turned into a predictive science. Once we understand the link between environment and disease, we ought to be able to forecast disease at least as well as we forecast the weather.
0: We're not there yet, though. And even if researchers could predict when an outbreak would occur, there is currently no cure. So while men like Glass try to determine what regions are most at risk, men like Zhang De Wang hope to find a way to treat Hantavirus in time for the next outbreak.
1: Wang, a professor in the Department of Animal, Dairy, and Veterinary Sciences at Utah State University, heads up a team studying the Hantavirus, Professor Wang and his team used hamsters as a model organism to examine how hantavirus infects human lungs.
0: Of all the animals to test humans against, hamsters may seem like a peculiar choice. Wang explained, We used a hamster as a model because a hamster is the only rodent that has been identified to be infected with hantavirus and develop human-like disease.
1: In other words... Hantavirus infects us and our pet hamsters the same way. In their study, Wong's team discovered this is because humans and hamsters share a gene as well as its encoded protein called PCDH1.
0: In simple terms, every cell has a membrane which is supposed to keep out pathogens and toxins while letting in nutrients. Each membrane has protein receptors, which perform a variety of functions, including transmitting information from cell to cell and helping cells bind together.
1: The way protein receptors work isn't well understood. But when Wang's team determined that PCDH1 was shared between humans and hamsters alike, they theorized that it was permitting hantavirus to penetrate cells— This, in turn, led to infection. They theorized that if PCDH1 could be removed or deactivated, the patient would be immune to hantavirus.
0: Subsequent research revealed that human cells and hamster cells that lacked the PCDH1 protein receptors resisted many viruses in the hantavirus family, including the synombre virus.
1: Wang's team hopes to develop a treatment in the form of a monoclonal antibody or injectable cells cloned from a single antibody. Generally, antibodies are produced by the immune system. When a virus, bacteria, or other pathogen is detected in the bloodstream, antibodies are produced with specialized features to fight that specific invader.
0: But researchers like Wang hope to engineer an antibody that would fight the PCDH1 protein receptor. Ironically, such a monoclonal antibody would halt the spread of disease not by attacking the virus, but the receptor that allows it to penetrate a cell.
1: While these findings are promising, the development of the monoclonal antibodies is still in its early stages. It's unlikely we'll see an FDA-approved Hantavirus cure any time in the near future.
0: In the meantime, the general consensus among doctors is that Hantavirus is a rare but potentially fatal viral illness. As of January 2017, there have been 728 cases reported in the United States.
1: While there isn't an FDA-approved vaccine or treatment for Hantavirus yet, recent discoveries forge the path toward a cure, Given many of the sobering predictions about climate change, humanity is going to need it.
0: Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. We'll be back next week with another episode.
1: You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other Parcast Originals for free on Spotify.
0: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Medical Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
1: To stream Medical Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app, tab Browse, and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar.
0: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Aaron Larson, and Joel Stein. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Jacqueline Donabedian, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.